tonight we bring to a close our look at the three-volume arc of the Twilight Zone comic written by J. Michael Straczynski. In the first arc, the first four issues that you can buy in a paperback collection, we meet Trevor Richmond, and on the back of that volume it says, Trevor Richmond is a Wall Street investor who embezzled millions and is about to destroy the economy. Desperate to avoid the consequences of his actions, he goes to Expedited Services, which offers to help him disappear and enjoy a life of leisure in a new identity. But what exactly is this new life, and how much is freedom worth, and what happens to the old life when someone else shows up to claim it? Now what I liked about that first arc was how it presented that Twilight Zone brand of cosmic justice in a new way. The Twilight Zone will either pick you up, or it will punish you for things you've done, or it will just do something strange for the sake of it. This time round, we kind of see the first two, but for the first time we see them together in one narrative, in one cohesive story. So it's pushing the boundaries of the Twilight Zone, but still staying true to that spirit. In Collection 2, which is issues 5 to 8, we meet Diana Westby, and it says nothing special has ever happened to Diana Westby. She has a comfortable relationship, a decent job, and vague dreams for the future. But now something has happened to her, something beyond understanding. She is suddenly able to hear thoughts and see glimpses of the future, a future that includes the threat of a mushroom cloud rising over downtown Manhattan. As someone who has never had to stick her neck out for someone else, Diana must choose between her own safety and the lives of millions of others. Her decision will take her from the abyss of her worst fears to the summit of her courage, a journey that could only happen in the Twilight Zone. Now what I liked about that collection is it uses certain ideas that we've seen in the Twilight Zone. Straczynski seems to stick very much to the, the template of ordinary people in unusual situations. And in the original show, we would often see someone maybe given an item or bestowed with an ability or having some sort of strangeness enter their life and see what the effect of that is, that ripple effect as it takes hold and how they deal with that. And this is very much that kind of story, but again, it's pushing the boundaries. You know, that thing goes beyond being just a gimmick as it could be in things like a penny for your thoughts or a most unusual camera. And the consequences are much greater. They're amped up and there's a bit more of a real world feel. What would really happen if someone was given these abilities and they were from one of the Twilight Zone's most unusual items. So that brings us to part three, the third arc that collects issues nine to 12. And it says on this one, Ben Chambers is a private investigator at the end of his career, an arc best viewed through the bottom of a whiskey bottle. He has investigated missing persons adulterous lovers, 
embezzling partners, and none of it has ever changed anything. Now Ben looks at his life and wonders what it was all for really. He resignedly takes on one last case investigating the unsolved murder of corporate CEO Jason Black's son, an Iraq veteran killed shortly after an anti-war rally. Ben expected his investigation would take him into the past through photos, research and interviews. What he never expected was that the trip into earlier years would be literal. As he travels back to the night of the murder, will Detective Chambers be able to save the young man's life? And if so, what kind of consequences might it have on the present? So it seems Straczynski is continuing with his theme of picking up very Twilight Zone-esque tropes and putting a, a new world, more realistic spin on them. What would happen? What would really happen? Now, Ben Chambers is a very Serling-esque character. You know, Rod Serling would often write about these characters who reach a point in life where they're like, what's it all been for? You know, why have I been doing this? Why have I been working this job? What mark have I really left? A stop at Willoughby, walking distance. The Night Gallery episode, the tearing down Tim Riley's bar is his real trilogy of, you know, men getting to that point in life. And this is kind of Straczynski's response to that, you know, Ben Chambers getting to a point in life where he's like, what have I been doing? You know, what difference have I really made? And then he gets a chance to actually make a difference. The Twilight Zone seems to give him that chance. So what's he going to do with it? Now in walking distance, Martin Sloan went back in time and he tried to reclaim those childhood memories to kind of relive that life. But there was a sense of you can't go back. And when he tried to interfere, the Twilight Zone kind of slapped him down. And for his troubles, he came back to the modern day with that limp. So what's the Twilight Zone going to let Ben Chambers do is the question in this story. We spoke about in the last episode how the character of Diana was a peripheral character in the first arc. Well, it's the same for Ben Chambers because our character uh, Trevor Richmond in the first story is working for a particular company. And the owner of that company is the father of the man that Richmond is investigating in this third story. So there's ties all over the place, you know, and it becomes more and more apparent as you read through these issues, how it all meshes together and it becomes a great overreaching kind of narrative, which, which is very skillfully done the way it kind of layers up as you go. You know, each character is in their own episode of the Twilight Zone but they're just sort of weaving together and it's, uh, it's really a satisfying way of having a big Twilight Zone story. Now another thing that runs through all three of them is a character called Mr. Wild. Now what Mr. Wild does is he's kind of like the catalyst for what happens to these three people. He's the guy who sets things in motion. He's the one who pushes a donimo or gives someone a choice or gives someone an item. You know, he's the one who introduces 
the unusual element into each of these persons' Twilight Zone story. So as I read these three stories and it became apparent that this Mr. Wild character would be in all three, it started to remind me of something that I've always said, you know, how I see Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone. Because we have our Rod Serling who is part of the fiction, who's part of the story, who is this emissary from the Twilight Zone. We don't know whether he's a judge, we don't know whether he is an observer, a guide, we don't really know. And he's separate from the, the Rod Serling who pops up at the end of the episode and says, next week folks we've got you know such and such a story to tell you. That's kind of different, that's the real world Rod Serling, but what Serling done was place himself in those episodes and I don't really know how much he meant for himself to come across this way as this kind of god of the twilight zone or servant of the twilight zone what exactly he was we don't know but when i saw this character of mr wild running through all three it was really interesting because i thought is this straczynski's equivalent of a character from the twilight zone itself the one who makes things happen the one who puts people on the track a track to lift them up a track for punishment a track for whatever the twilight zone has in mind for them now i realize that running through these reviews what i've spoke about they have been quite surface reviews but i just really don't want to spoil these stories for anyone because i've got a lot of pleasure out of them as they've gone through and you see all the little ties and all the little references to the twilight zone throughout you know some character names will seem very familiar to you along the way some little homages here and there and i think you know i would like you to discover that and i don't want to be the person who kind of takes that away from anyone else so i will get slightly more spoilerific in a moment but i'll give you fair warning but for now i just think this is a really satisfying three issue arc of the twilight zone like i said last time round it kind of takes ideas and tropes from the twilight zone but really evolves them you know puts them in a more real world setting if you will and looks at the consequences of things you know what are the consequences of having a particular ability what are the consequences of being given an opportunity to change time you know we've seen it in other mediums but this is a very twilight zone way of looking at it and i think that's where straczynski succeeds you know he's taken all these tropes and he has evolved them into something that is very twilight zone but also something very new so i'm going to leave the review there and if you plan to read these comics then i would say stop listening now and go and have a read because there is a minor detail at the end that I would like to discuss very slightly but I'm still not going to say explicitly what it is but for people who have read the comics you will kind of understand what I'm getting at okay so this is a spoiler warning and I don't want you to listen any further if you haven't read the comics and plan to and I will see you next time for our regular episode so I spoke about this character of Mr. Wilde, the man who makes things happen for all of these characters. 
and I did wonder who he was. Is he a sort of evolved equivalent of the Rod Sailing character? The one who's part of the fiction. That was my thoughts going through it. But what I didn't expect was, to a degree, I was kind of right, but not completely, because what Straczynski pulls out at the end was genuinely probably one of the happiest moments I've ever had reading a comic book. And I still don't want to explicitly say what it was, but there's just this parting detail that is just so beautiful in its execution and so respectful too, you know? I made a comment, I think it might have been in the early show, about can you have Rod Sailing as, you know, a narrator on a new Twilight Zone comic? Would it seem tacky to have this sort of cartoon Rod Sailing stood at the beginning? And I, I was kind of of an opinion that they pitched it just right, having these speech boxes where if you wanted to think that it was Rod Sailing saying this, you could think that. They didn't go so far as to have a, an approximation, a sort of drawing of Rod Sailing delivering it, which I think was the right way to go. But then there's this ending. And again, I just can't explicitly say it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but you kind of might get an idea of it, of what it is from, from me just saying that. But it is just pitched so beautifully that I, I think I had a smile on my face for about half an hour afterwards, just having seen it. It really tied this thing to the Twilight Zone, this three issue, this three collection arc, I should say, to the Twilight Zone in a very simple but elegant way. And as a fan of the original show and as a fan of what Straczynski has done here, it was just such a a respectful thing to do and um, you know that's all I can say really I, I really enjoyed these books and I, I can't recommend them enough so I hope you have the chance to check them out too they're available on the likes of Amazon or maybe in your local comic book store and now there's a new ongoing series of the Twilight Zone comic 2 called Shadow and Substance that uh, I think separate from these issues i have a few of those and i will read them and maybe we'll come back to the twilight zone comic in the future but for now i will leave you with that and we will get back to our regular looks at the twilight zone very soon